0: Welcome to your Tuesday edition of Transformation Radio.
1: Life within
2: here doing my third phase interview today and stuff, and I just wanted to take a minute just to encourage you guys um, a little bit what's going on. Um, for those of you that, you know, are questioning or, or concerned about family restoration and stuff, um, I, I heard a lot while I was in second phase and saw a lot of family restoration going on and struggled a little bit with the fact that, i didn't have a whole whole lot of that uh, my parents still um aren't to this day coming around and uh but i just want to provide encouragement that that process will will begin you know i'm starting to talk to them on a weekly basis and so if it doesn't quite happen as fast as you'd like to see it happen just know that the lord is going to do it in, in his time and work it out and um what I'd like to ask from from all the men in the ministry is just continue to keep my family and and myself in your guys's prayers that uh, he would help with that process um, of just uh, reintegrating me back into my family to, to heal those hurts that I've caused them and that you know some of the things that they've you know hurt me with. So that was one of the biggest uh, things that I wanted to share with you guys. And the other thing too is just um, you know uh, give the New, the, the new setup with having second and third phase, a, a chance to work, um, I think is men, a lot of times we like to go into things closed-minded. So um, just be open to it and uh, just know that you know um, everything's a process and it's going to take a couple weeks for it to, to get all the wrinkles ironed out, but uh, it'll all be good for God's glory. So that's it, guys. I love you all, and uh, I'm praying for everybody.
0: Today's reading in the New Testament will be from the book of Acts, chapter 25, verses 1 through 27. Festus tried to use Paul as a political pawn to win favor with the Jews. If he had succeeded and sent Paul to Jerusalem, the apostle would have been killed. Paul did the wise thing. He used his rights as a Roman citizen and appealed to Caesar. There are times when believers must use the law to protect themselves and the ministry. But now Festus had a problem. How could he send Paul to Caesar when he had no charges against him that could be proved? God's people sometimes are treated like the guilty, even though they are innocent. Remember Joseph, David, Daniel, and Jeremiah, not to mention our Lord Jesus Christ. In all that happened... God was fulfilling his promise to Paul, that he would witness before rulers and finally get to Rome. Being a prisoner and enduring the hearings were difficult for Paul, but he used his opportunities wisely. He believed Jesus' words. that He spoke in Luke chapter 21, verse 13, but it will turn out for you as an occasion for testimony. And with that, let's begin today's reading in the New Testament. July 7th, the New Testament. Acts chapter 25 verses 1 through 27. Three days after Festus arrived in Caesarea to take over his new responsibilities, he left for Jerusalem, where the leading priests and other Jewish leaders met with him and made their accusations against Paul. They asked Festus as a favor to transfer Paul to Jerusalem, planning to ambush and kill him on the way. But Festus replied that Paul was at Caesarea, and he himself would be returning there soon. So he said, Those of you in authority can return with me. If Paul has done anything wrong, you can make your accusations. About eight or ten days later, Festus returned to Caesarea, and on the following day he took his seat in court and ordered that Paul be brought in. When Paul arrived, The Jewish leaders from Jerusalem gathered around and made many serious accusations they couldn't prove. Paul denied the charges. I am not guilty of any crime against the Jewish laws, or the temple, or the Roman government, he said. Then Festus, wanting to please the Jews, asked him, Are you willing to go to Jerusalem and stand trial before me there? But Paul replied, No, this is the official Roman court. So I ought to be tried right here. You know very well I am not guilty of harming the Jews. If I have done something worthy of death, I don't refuse to die. But if I am innocent, no one has a right to turn me over to these men to kill me. I appeal to Caesar. Festus conferred with his advisors and then replied, Very well, you have appealed to Caesar, and to Caesar you will go. A few days later... King Agrippa arrived with his sister Bernice to pay their respects to Festus. During their stay of several days, Festus discussed Paul's case with the king. There is a prisoner here, he told him, whose case was left for me by Felix. When I was in Jerusalem, the leading priests and Jewish elders pressed charges against him and asked me to condemn him. I pointed out to them that Roman law does not convict people without a trial— They must be given an opportunity to confront their accusers and defend themselves. When his accusers came here for the trial, I didn't delay. I called the case the very next day and ordered Paul brought in. But the accusations made against him weren't any of the crimes I expected. Instead, it was something about their religion and a dead man named Jesus who Paul insists is alive. I was at a loss to know how to investigate these things, so I asked him whether he would be willing to stand trial on these charges in Jerusalem, but Paul appealed to have his case decided by the emperor, so I ordered that he be held in custody until I could arrange to send him to Caesar. "'I'd like to hear the man myself,' Agrippa said, and Festus replied, "'You will, tomorrow.' So the next day... Agrippa and Bernice arrived at the auditorium with great pomp, accompanied by military officers and prominent men of the city. Festus ordered that Paul be brought in. Then Festus said, King Agrippa and all who are here, this is the man whose death is demanded by all the Jews, both here and in Jerusalem. But in my opinion, he has done nothing deserving death. However, since he appealed his case to the emperor, I have decided to send him to Rome. But what shall I write the emperor, for there is no clear charge against him? So I have brought him before all of you, and especially you, King Agrippa, so that after we examine him, I might have something to write. For it makes no sense to send a prisoner to the emperor without specifying the charges against him. Today we are reading in Psalm 5, verses 1-12. through And we see here that when he served in King Saul's court, David was often attacked by some of Saul's officers who flattered the king and lied about David. King Saul actually believed that David was trying to steal the throne. When people lie about you, follow David's example and pray about the matter. Hear me was his request. See, David began the day with his heart lifted up to God. God knew the sinful words of the liars But he also heard the believing prayers of his servant. He prayed, lead me. David had to be careful because Saul and his leaders were watching him and his life was in danger. He worshiped God and asked for God's daily direction. And he prayed, protect me. David did not fight Saul or Saul's men. He left those battles to the Lord. He trusted God to care for him and God did not fail. And he prayed, bless me. Protection is the last thing named. Beyond that, David was blessed with joy, confidence, and a deeper love for the Lord. Times of suffering can be times of growing if we let the Lord have His way. Psalm chapter 5, verses 1-12 through 12. For the choir director, a psalm of David, to be accompanied by the flute. O oh Lord, hear me as I pray. Pay attention to my groaning. Listen to my cry for help, my King and my God. For I pray to no one but you. Listen to my voice in the morning, Lord. Each morning I bring my requests to you and wait expectantly. O oh God, you take no pleasure in wickedness. You cannot tolerate the sins of the wicked. Therefore, the proud may not stand in your presence. For you hate all who do evil. You will destroy those who tell lies. The Lord detests murderers and deceivers. Because of your unfailing love, I can enter your house. I will worship at your temple with deepest awe. Lead me in the right path, O Lord, or my enemies will conquer me. Make your way plain for me to follow. My enemies cannot speak a truthful word. Their deepest desire is to destroy others. Their talk is foul, like the stench from an open grave. Their tongues are filled with flattery. O God, declare them guilty. Let them be caught in their own traps. Drive them away because of their many sins, for they have rebelled against you. But let all who take refuge in you rejoice. Let them sing joyful praises forever. Spread your protection over them that all who love your name may be filled with joy. For you bless the godly, O Lord. You surround them with your shield of love. Proverbs 18, verse 19. An offended friend is harder to win back than a fortified city. Arguments separate friends like a gate locked with bars.
1: You might be the wife waiting up at night. You might be the man struggling to provide, feeling like it's hopeless. Maybe you're the son who chose a broken road. Maybe you're the girl thinking you'll end up alone. Pray, God, can you hear me? God, are you listening? dying for And though sometimes my prayers feel like they're bouncing off the sky
3: Doug Shatsky, coming to you from Daniel Blaine. I just want to affirm you, sir, you are an inspiration. You are such a man of God, patient and kind and uh, a family man, but a responsible man of God. I mean, coming from the bottom and And a little bit of what I know about your testimony. Man, you have just come 10,000 galaxies away, man. You are from another world, and you are just an inspiration to me. And um, I can't thank you enough for how much you've spoken into my life and and helped guide me and and encourage me and direct me. And Man, I just want to say I love you, and um, you are doing such a great job as a pastor uh, at Second Phase in Lancaster. And um, I can't tell you how much. I love you. I appreciate you. And I uh, just thank you for all that you've taught me and shown me. Continue to look forward to um, our relationship in the future. And uh, I just want to tell you, keep it up, man. Love you.
4: Good morning, guys. This is Pastor Don Anderson from the Vinton County Farm. A uh, passage of scripture that I wanted us to take a look at this morning is coming from Hebrews 125 5-6. It says, My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. God's discipline is a subject that I feel that many of us need to understand more clearly. I believe that having a better understanding of God's discipline is going to be very helpful to you during your stay at the refuge and really after you leave when you get married and just living the Christian life. Uh, The reason I say that is because I know that before we came to the refuge, we are in the habit of viewing correction as a very negative thing. And if anyone tried to tell us what to do, we would just say, you know what, screw you. I'm going to do it my way. I don't care what you say. So I'm certain that some of you, even this morning, are probably still operating under this type of mindset. So I want to share this with you today because we need to unlearn this way of thinking by beginning to receive correction from God. If we can learn to properly receive correction, then we will be able to start growing in God. Now I know as, as soon as I mentioned God and discipline together in the same sins, it probably made some of you cringe because... A lot of us are so in the habit of thinking of God as this mean old man who's up in heaven, and he's got this big club, and every time you make a little mistake, he's going to hit you over the head with it. But I want to show you by looking at the scriptures that this is not true. God is not that way at all. And the only time that he ever disciplines us is because he loves us, and he doesn't want to see us go down the wrong path. So the first thing I want us to do is uh, define what discipline is, according to the passage of Scripture that we're looking at. And the passage stated that there were three different ways that God disciplines us. The first one was that He chastens us. The meaning of chastening is to instruct. The second way that God disciplines us is by rebuking us. Uh, Rebuking is a little more strong than chastening. Uh, Rebuke literally means to verbally correct someone. So it's God not just telling you what to do, it's Him correcting you because you're not doing the right thing. And the final way that God disciplines us is by scourging us, which means to literally flog. And flogging is done with a whip, It's where you're beat with a whip. So it's where God actually uses physical pain in order to uh, basically get your attention. So let's read over the passage one more time so you can see this. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. As you can see by you know, hearing that, there's a logical progression here in the way that God deals with us. First, he's gently trying to teach us the right way to do something. That is what what the word chastening basically means. He's basically just trying to instruct us. He tells us the right way to do something. And if we don't listen, if that doesn't get our attention, then he rebukes us to let us know that we're not doing what he wants us to do. And if he still can't get our attention by teaching us the right way, uh, by rebuking us if we're not doing what he told us to do, The last thing he will do is he will scourge us, which means he will literally allow physical pain uh, to come into our life in order to bring us back into what his plan is for our lives. And I'm sure that as I'm talking about this, many of you guys already know what I'm talking about. And this discipline could come in several different ways while you're here at the refuge. It could come from one of your brothers, it could come from one of your leaders. It could come from a family member who God uses to challenge you. Uh, it could come from a song, a sermon, a devotional, or while you're reading your Bible. It could even come from a strong inner conviction uh, from the Holy Spirit that something is wrong. The point is, is that God will generally work through His Word or through other people to challenge you in your walk. Sometimes they're wrong in what they say, but sometimes they're right. So basically what this means is that all feedback is relevant what you need to look for is patterns if several people are telling you that you're missing it in a particular area then you probably ought to take a look at it because that many different people are probably not going to be wrong the question I want to ask you this morning to bring it on home is Which one of God's three forms of discipline does he have to use on you most since you have came to the refuge Do you listen to him the first time he tells you to do something? Or does he have to constantly rebuke you or even scourge you on a regular basis? We need to get to the place where we obey as soon as God gives us commands so that we can keep moving forward with as little uh, problems and as little pain as possible. So... I hope this was beneficial to you guys, and I hope that you have a blessed day. I'm so glad that you made the decision to come to the refuge, and uh, I believe as you keep moving forward in God's plan, He's going to absolutely change your life, and you're going to be so thankful that you found Him. I know that He's thankful that He found you. So you guys have a blessed day. for listening to Transformation Radio.